0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Happy Sunday, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Cinnamon Noir. This is Kimberly Renee, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Candace and Rebecca. Happy Sunday, ladies. Happy Sunday. Happy Hi everyone. So we had a lot to talk about today. Um first we're going to talk about the new edition movie that aired on BET this week that had all of black Twitter talking. Um mm-hmm. with a three point mini series, so we're gonna talk about that. Also, I um, just got back this week from Sundance 2017, and it was awesome. So we're going to give a little Mm -hmm. review of some of the things that I saw there. And last but not least, we're going to talk about the Oscar nominations that came out this week. Um, I know a lot of people were happy. Some people were a little upset. So we're going to kind of break those down. Um, But first, to start off with the new edition movie, I know, Rebecca, you saw it and I've seen parts of it. Um, tell me what you thought. I know people were very excited about it on social media. So what were your takeaways from the film?
2: Um, I didn't I didn't have the pleasure of watching it when people were live tweeting it. I watched it I caught up with it this weekend, so I'm late. But <laughs> I thought everybody was live <laughs> tweeting about it. Um, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. So I was trying to let there were spoilers, of course not. But yeah, it was just it was sense. it was – I'd never seen anything like this before. Like, I mean, there's lots of stuff that, as Black Twitter, that we tweet together. I haven't seen anything like this in Scandal. Let me say that. Like, the, the interest level was just through the roof. And, you know, finally sitting down and watching it for myself. Like, they did an amazing job. Like, we – I mean, we've gotten – black biopics, right? We had the Aaliyah story, which we try to act like that didn't happen. The Whitney, yeah. story, the Whitney Houston story was a little bit better. I thought Yaya's <laughs> performance was good. Um, but then, you know, Bobby Brown was the producer, so, of course, you got this very slanted view of it. But with the new edition story, um, like, they just nailed it. Like, Chris Robinson, like, the, the direction was good. Um, Abdul Williams uh, wrote the script. And you could tell, like, they really did their homework like this wasn't like a cheap lifetime (laughs) one-off like yeah we'll send Mm. you guys to you know Canada go shoot this for like two weeks or something like I felt like they really caught the essence of what new edition meant to us like I was telling the girls earlier that when Candy Girl came out I was in seventh grade (laughs) so that's Mm -hmm. when I first knew about new edition and so like for a lot of women, you know, for a lot of people in my age range in the, the 70s babies and, the, you know, the 80s babies, we grew up with new edition, you know what I mean? And so, like, the fashions, like, I remember my got, you know, my friends in school, like, my male classmates would, like, try to dress like them or whatever. So, um, yeah, and the singing, I have to talk about the singing because I found out that um, while Babyface and Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis were producers, which were great because they had access to all their music, um, the actors mm. that they hired to play the roles, that's them singing. So when you see Luke James singing as Johnny Gill, that's not, you know what I mean? Like that, he's not lip syncing it. Like he's really singing. Elijah Kelly, um, Brashear Gray, like all of those guys that they cast, and even the younger version of the actors of the younger version of New Edition, they sang it. And I think that's what, to me, heightened it because. What they did is they found actors who could sing who were proximate to, like, their singing range, but it still sounded new in a way. You know what I mean? Like, they still put their little twist on it, but it was still faithful to the original. So, um, and I just have to mention that the cast, the older new edition, I have never seen that many beautiful black men on a screen before. Like, I was just, (laughs) I didn't know where to look. (laughs) I was just, Luke James was looking gorgeous, and then elijah kelly who i've had the biggest crush on and people need to put respect on elijah kelly's name damn it he's
1: <laughs> powers
2: is just so cute as ronnie devoe um algie smith who plays ralph Tresvent. like they really you could tell like they really took their time trying to cast the right people for the roles and from what i understand um the all the original members of new edition were producers on the movies and they spent one-on-one time with them like if you go to the new edition timeline you can find really cool clips of them like rehearsing with the dancing and the singing um and I think that definitely helped too um but yeah I I think that is one of like this one of the best miniseries I've seen I would put it me personally I would put it up there with the Jacksons, like it's that good. If I would put the Jacksons at mm-hmm. number one, I'd probably put New Edition right under it because I think they really wanted to do it right and they and they wanted to invest in it. And I really hope that BET um, goes out on a full Emmy campaign for this show. Yes, it is that good, and I think that they do deserve um, Emmy um, consideration, definitely for the music definitely for the costumes. I mean, whoever did the costume designing, they nailed that. You know what I mean? And there were some, really, there were some pretty good performances in there, too. And uh, lastly, I just want to say thank God for Lisa Nicole Carson coming back. I have been fangirling her oh, girl for so yeah. long. I was I was so happy because I believe she played Ricky Bell's mom. She was excellent. I loved her. Like, her character was just like did, gave no fucks. You know what I'm saying? But Yeah, Lisa Nicole. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think she really reminded people, like, why she was so popular back then. Like, because I remember at the point she was doing, like, Ally McBeal. Then she was doing ER. And then a few years, that's when she did Devil in a Blue Dress with Denzel. Like, this is a woman who was, you know, poised for greatness. But unfortunately, um, you know, she's had some personal issues and, you know, had to deal with some mental health issues as well. But she is taking care of herself. She's on Twitter if you want to look for her. I think it's Lisa N. Carson. Um, I really hope that this will open up more opportunities for her when she's ready. I, I would love to see her more um, on, on TV and, and and in film. Yeah, I think She was really
1: good in this film. Um, I just want to say, this gave me such hope for BET, because I know mm-hmm. I do <laughs> um, okay. And even... You know, when they first announced it, I was like, oh, that's really cool. And it was like, it's going to be on BET. And it's like, oh, okay, so we'll see. But they have been promoting
0: this.
1: (laughs) I remember when the whole cast was at the BET Awards back this summer, I guess in June or July or whatever. So they have been going so hard for this film, and I'm really glad that it kind of lived up to the hype, you know, because I was worried. I admit, I was worried that BET can be here sometimes. But I think they Mm -hmm. did a really – excellent job. I'm, I'm excited. And like you said, I think it could be an Emmy contender, and I hope they do go for it and push for it. Because there's a lot of talent. A lot of talent in this to doing a great job. Mm-hmm.
2: So
1: it got me thinking, like, we have this film now, we have the Jackson's, we have the Temptations. I was like, well, there are a lot of girl groups out there who could definitely deserve, you know, a good mini series film. Mm-hmm. Envogue. Like, can we be can we, Envogue? Envogue, yes! Envogue, yes! yes. <laughs> yes. So I hope mm-hmm. someone is be teased. You know, one of these stories to bring to light, too. Yeah. yeah. Why well, I know a lot of people are on on.
2: Yeah, a lot of people are pushing for a Destiny's Child story. Y'all know that ain't happening because Beyoncé is not letting that go down.
0: <laughs> Her lawyers are at the ready.
2: <laughs> there will be no unauthorized Destiny's
0: Child story. Absolutely not. She go on for that. The Destiny's Child story at least 30 years after the death of Beyoncé. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right. That's how I usually works. It's like they, they always want to wait till somebody died, and then it's just like, oh, I guess we're gonna talk to, talk about her again. Right,
1: that is the only way that that will happen. So other groups that deserve it, you know, hopefully they'll get their time to shine. All
0: right, let's see. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, moving on, uh, Sundance, the Sundance Film Festival. It um, kicked off, I think, on the 19th of January, and they just wrapped up yesterday with the awards. Um, so this was my first time attending Sundance, and it was an amazing experience. Um, I was telling the girls earlier that I was there during the biggest snowstorm that they've had in Park City in 25 years. So that was crazy mm. in itself. Um, and it's just so much going on. We were there for the first part of the festival. And I worked with some of my people from Array, so that was really cool to get to hang out with them. Um, Some of the films, there's so many films, so many panels, so many parties going on. You're, you know, walking down the street and you just see these random people that you, you recognize, you know, celebrities, movie stars, and it's just so really cool, really cool environment, really cool experience. Um, You know, up in the mountains of Utah, which is just a different place than any other place I've ever been before. (laughs) Um, Some of the highlights for me, um, one of the movies that I saw was Roxanne Roxanne, which, of course, tells the story of Roxanne Shantae, who's, like, the original badass girl rapper. Um, She's a hip-hop legend, basically. And the film kind of focuses on her um, beginning as, like, a young MC. She was, like, a battle rapper. So she lived in this this neighborhood in New York, and she was basically known to just take down any rapper that tried to battle her. And so, you know, she records this response, Mm -hmm. Roxanne's Revenge, and it talks about that time until the four years until her first solo album came out. Um, And the actress in the film, her name is also Shante, which is kind of funny. Um, She won, I think Mm -hmm. the best, uh, the breakout star at the awards last night. I have to look that up, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Um, but just a great film, you know, like I said, just kind of tells her story that we've never heard before, just her growing up in New York, um, being a rapper, being a female rapper in this male-dominated uh, genre that is still kind of new at the time, early 80s. He was not sure if, you know, hip-hop is going to last and what exactly the the sound of it is, and just her, her contribution to that, and just her struggles of being a young MC and then becoming a young mother and dealing with these uh, relationships and these men in her life. Mia um, mm. Long plays her mother. This is I've never seen Mia Long. Versus. This is, I dare say, is one of her best performances. She is. I mean, I love Mia Long. Always love Mia Long. Mm. She's amazing. Um, it's funny because this week I, you know, how Facebook does these flashbacks, and I had posted something about the divide, which was a great show. that got canceled, but I'm still upset yes. about Mia Long. But, yeah, I, this role for her, she plays a mother who has some issues with alcoholism, who is, you know, struggling trying to raise her four daughters in this um, neighborhood. And she is amazing, completely unlike anything I've seen from Mia. So I'm really excited for people to see this side of her. Um, so, like I said, it's hip-hop history. Uh, if you get a chance to see the film, you definitely should. And, like I said, the actress of the best breakout um, Best breakout performance. Um, I also got a chance to see Dee Reese's new film, Mudbound, and it is it's heavy, but it's really good. You know, Dee Reese is an amazing director. Um, it's a period piece said right after World War II. Um, it's about mm-hmm. these two families, one black, one white, who um, the black family, of course, is a kind of sheer proper for the white family and just dealing with issues of race and what it's like to return home from the war. Uh, amazing film, great performances. Mary J. Blige is actually in the film, and this is the first time that I've seen Mary J. Blige act when I wasn't like, wow, that's Mary J. Blige pretending to be
0: She so, mm-hmm.
1: so, really kind of, you know, embodied the character, and she does a really good job, so I was very impressed with her. Um, the film also stars Carrie Mulligan, um, Garrett Headland, Jason Clark uh, A couple of people we've seen before So it's a really good film um, Rob Morgan also Stars in the film It's a really, like I said, it's a really kind of Heavy film um, It was so crazy, after we left the theater This white woman comes and Grabs my arm and tells me she feels The need to apologize for all black people um, Apologize oh to my all gosh. black people So I was, oh I was <laughs> You don't Stop. actually have to grab my arm to apologize to me. It was this mm-hmm. very real, you know, white privilege, white guilt moment that just went kind mm-hmm. back crazy. Right. Had a little Twitter rant about that earlier. So it will oh definitely in your feelings. Definitely have other people in their feelings and feeling the need to
0: express themselves. I was like, Oh, okay. So yeah, definitely <laughs> strange. It's always interesting. It's always interesting to, because I remember particularly when I saw Twelve Years a Slave in at at a screening, and there was, mind you, overwhelmingly white crowd, and but Mm -hmm. I just kept on kind of looking at the 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 other audience, uh, the other audience members, and I just remember that they were just like it was it was like this mixture of shock and devastation, like devastation more like more like um. Like, they were taking some accountability that they didn't realize that they should have before. It was, like, a lot of things that they were coming to fruition emotionally that prior to watching that movie, they didn't experience, which is very interesting. And just a lot of, um, but, I, I, but I noticed that even when we, when, when I watch a lot of these, like, period films or slavery era films with black people in the lead that the, the the white audience is feeling it of a kind of way. I'll just say that. But it's very interesting that you had that experience because I see a lot of just guilt and just repressed anger or something. Like, I, I can't really pinpoint it, but I see a lot of guilt, um, particularly when it comes to my experience watching those films in mixed audiences, so to speak.
1: Yeah, and of course it's, it's Park City, it's Utah, it's Sunday and so it was an overwhelmingly, you know, white crowd. Mm-hmm. But like it just kinda caught me off guard. You know, you're still processing the film itself, even though you know, I feel like as a black audience mm-hmm. this is nothing new to us. We've, you know, seen these stories. we Right. So for someone one, to grab my arm, <laughs> kinda caught me on guard that's a lot. It's just to so, yeah, it it be so emotional mm-hmm. like you know, in her eyes, and she's just like you know, feeling the need to apologize on behalf of, I guess, all black people. So be prepared. You know, it will. It's an emotional film. It will have you in your feelings, and apparently, people will feel the need to react on that. So
0: definitely,
1: definitely strange there. Um, some interesting that. Uh, well, I got to see one uh, documentary on HBCU called We Are Rising. I think it's going to air on PBS, one yeah. of their independent men's films. Um, it's a really good film. Again, if you attended HBCU, it's kind of stuff that you already know, but if you are not familiar with HBCU, it's a great film to kind of give you that introduction to the history behind, you know, how they started and why they started. And there were a lot of interesting things in there as well that I didn't know. So that, that was also a good one that's coming to um to independent films pretty soon. Um, some of the panels mm-hmm. that I got to attend, there was a panel discussion on another film, Burning Sands, which was coming to Netflix, I think in March. Um, didn't get a chance to see the film. They did get to attend the panel with the cast and um, some of the producers, and that film is getting a lot of buzz just about, again, the black college experience and, the, um, and a couple of guys that are pledging a fraternity. So kind of the inside look to that world for those who aren't familiar with it. Um, there's also a documentary on Dolores Huerta, who, when I saw the Cesar Chavez film, I said, "Oh, she definitely deserves her own film." <laughs> and so they yes. actually made a documentary, and I got to meet. To uh, the producers Carlos Santana and Benjamin Bratt, so that was a very oh. surreal moment. Mm-hmm. And
0: so we, we <laughs> it, it was crazy. We're talking to them, and we're
1: like, you mm-hmm. know, we didn't mm-hmm. get a ticket, but he's like, yeah, it's been sold out for a while. So he didn't give us a hookup, but it was all good. Mm-hmm. I did actually mm-hmm. get to work as well, so it was like living legends. Wow. Was pretty I'm mm-hmm. definitely looking forward to that mm-hmm. film when it comes yeah. out. Um, and, again, um, the incredible Jessica James, which stars Jessica Williams, who is on, you know, The Daily Show, her film was a closing film, and it's getting a lot of buzz, so I didn't get a chance to see that, but I'm very excited for that one when it comes out. Mm-hmm. So, again, like, it was a very surreal experience, um, like I said, meeting Carlos Santana and Benjamin Brack pretty much set the ball yes. on Sundance events to come. Like, I don't know if anything could ever mm-hmm. stop this thing. But it was pretty cool. Um, lots of great films. It's so much to do. Um, so many panels. So many films. So much to navigate. I was impressed. By all these people they were like they saw twenty films. They saw nineteen films. They saw all of this. It kind of crazy. But um, it was really a really great experience. so that was that
0: was my finding. It sounds like it.
1: Yeah, it was really cool. Very cool. Um, and so the last day that I was there. The Oscar nominations came out, and I know people were very excited, especially after last year with the Oscars so white and the lack of diversity that was, um, you know, presented in the nominations on the acting side as well as the other side. Um, This year there has been, um, I guess, progress in that area. Um, some people seem to think that racism in Hollywood is over because a lot of people that were nominated this year. Mm-hmm. But um mm-hmm. uh, of mm-hmm. uh, the nominations and how are you for the next year
0: them? um and it's work with you. Oh, okay. Um I I was I was definitely one of those people I was very excited to see some of my favorites get nominated, including Census, which I Anybody who follows me, I talk about fences practically every single day. <laughs> um, I'm very, very, very stoked to see that there um, that the attention that it deserves. I will say, and, I, and this is this is just me, but I really, really think that it's very strange to consistently see Denzel Washington not get. Nominated for directing an exquisite film and acting mm. in it simultaneously, which is really disturbing to that lack of acknowledgement, like the what he had to do with the teeny instrument setting that he um reproduced for this film is astonishing work, and being in front of the camera and behind the camera at the same time is just ridiculous, so I, I mean, I've been saying this for months because I see, like, just it's been a repeated cycle that he's just not been acknowledged about for that, and that's just I don't understand that because I'm looking at the director nominations. I put it up. I'm looking at the director category, and if so, we put Mel Gibson in there though, and. Kenneth Lohman, I'm not gonna get on Manchester by the Sea because I've said all the words that I'm gonna say about that. But those particular films, particularly High hot coverage, Mel Gibson, high coverage, I'm just like it's just a it's a blatant snub for Denzel Washington when he easily directed circles around Mel Gibson in his blame ass movies period. I'm gonna say that. So that that's, that's that's one reaction that I had to it. Um that and so it was kind of a double edged sword because I really, really did appreciate that since it got in for what it did get in because it it, it honestly was the most in all out here. Um, really excited to see it in the figures there. Um, I wasn't sure I didn't know whether it was gonna get Best picture nomination, but I'm stoked to see that. Really happy about um, Moonlight kind of pleasantly surprised about Lion. Um, I did not think that it was a perfect film, but I do think that it, it the sentiment is so perfect, and does the is amazing anyway, so I'm just happy to see him in any circumstance. I'm um, happy to see that he was nominated as well. I think um, I can't remember what they said, but it, it's, the, it's the first time in a very, very, very long time that um, and, and, and being an Indian actor and, uh, An actor of Indian descent Has been acknowledged In any of the acting categories And so that's definitely an achievement He's great um, So happy for that uh, You know I already said Hacksaw, Hacksaw Riz is awful And has an awful title as well um, Happy to see Ruth Mega The only person who I think That is like really carrying The lead actor Lead actress category. Um and I and not to say that I didn't enjoy Natalie Portman and Jackie, I enjoyed her. Ms. Meghan was amazing. If if this was a real category, they would have added Annette Benning and Taraji P. Henson. I'm just not sure that. Mm. They could have got rid of the rest of these people and really could have had a real like category here. But now it's just like one deserving person and like four who are not. <laughs> I'm going to stop talking there. There are other things I can say, but I'm going <laughs> to talk to you guys.
1: I was going to say, I know we talked about this before, how for the lead actress there were two choices, and that was Annette Bening and Ruth Nega. And the fact that Annette Bening is not even nominated, like I think that broke my mm-hmm. heart more than anything else on this entire mm-hmm. list. And, mm-hmm. you know, I love Meryl. Meryl is – the best and the greatest. I have a zero intention of everlasting Florence
0: Foster Jenkins.
1: Like if it is the latest movie on earth I might watch it. But at this point it's not Mm -hmm. so I don't plan on seeing it. And I feel like at this Mm -hmm. point Meryl just has to make a movie and she's nominated. Mm -hmm. she She just literally has to make one. Doesn't matter what it is, what it's about. All she has to do is make a movie and she will be nominated.
0: So nice. kinda of
1: crazy. Which is problematic. But you know. it, it is. It is. It really is. <laughs> and but of course on team Ruth Nega as well. She was so amazing and loving. So I'm yeah. very excited for her. Yeah. Um, Rebecca, mm-hmm. what did you think about the nomination?
2: I think we did pretty well this year. We we did better. After three years of Oscar so light, um, I was glad to see <laughs> that we had more representation <laughs> than the two mm-hmm. people um, I was I was so happy that Penny Figures got a Best Picture nom um, I wasn't sure <laughs> what we were going to get mm-hmm. I mean I thought I loved it. it was one of my favorite movies I just wasn't sure if the Academy members would be receptive to it um, but I think they are and I think particularly because it's doing so well in the box office um, people are going out to, to see it. it it's such an unheard piece of history and I think that's what people want to see because usually we get you know biopics of people that we know already like do I really need to see another movie about Abraham Lincoln probably not um so yeah Mm -hmm. this is great and um like you Candace I was actually very happy to see um I was actually happy to see Lion on there um the thing with Lion Mm -hmm. is that I really I connect to it on a very emotional and spiritual level and so like you said because it since it accomplished that they it did it so well you know that I was mm-hmm. able to forgive maybe a little bit of the narrative structure and a little bit of the technical stuff but overall it was just, it was such a beautiful and such a moving um film and I was just so happy to see Dave Patel in there mm-hmm. um yeah it was it, it's a little weird because I feel like Dev should have been in, should have been up for leading actor, but because the movie is yes. split between two actors, because um, actually what was weird was um, when I got the award screener for uh, the award screener for Lion, you know, there's that whole section for your consideration. They had the little boy Sunny Pawar up for leading actor, mm-hmm. and then they had Dave Patel for best supporting actor. Not sure why mm-hmm. that happened. Although Sunny Pawar was, I was can't, fantastic. Yeah, and yeah, and I don't
0: I don't want to I don't want to interrupt you, but but this is you brought up something that has been a pain in that has been a thorn in my side for months. Yes. Because this 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 situation with Dev Patel and supporting when he is clearly leading the marketing around this movie. This is this is part of the reason why I, I didn't love the way they unfolded Mayan is because they marketed it as a movie that just kind of involved that character when it was actually Mm -hmm. he the, the the narrative was built around his character and yeah. the way that it was marketed, what people are, how people are receiving it as if he is secondary in his own story. And, that, and, and then him also becoming a supporting actor is really insulting to me. I'm glad that he's on the list. But the fact that, you know, how many times have they nominated two white people in, of the same movie in the lead category before? How many times have they done that? They've done that many mm-hmm. times. And the fact that these are two men of color, boy and a man of color, um, mm-hmm. they could have, they were having issues, because they were both playing the same character, if they were having issues with, you know, what are we going to do? Where are we going to put them? Put them both as lead. But they, I, I really think it's my own conspiracy theory that they didn't want to, to, um, Actors and Indiana set in the lead category. That they they did not want that too. So that's why they're not there. Um I don't know what happened with Sunny. I guess they just kind of knocked that knocked him out completely. I don't know what happened there. He definitely could have been among those that are nominated. Um Mm -hmm. but anyway, that that's my that's my annoyance with
2: that. Yeah. It was um I mean, let's be, I'm going to be very clear. I thought that Sonny Tawar gave a fantastic performance. I mean, to find out that he has no training, that they did an audition with like 2,000 um, little boys um, and kicked him out of it. And when you watch the movie, he really does carry that movie until he hands it over to Dave mm-hmm. Patel. I, I, would, I would say that, that Sonny's performance to me was on par with Carvajane's in Beats of the Southern Wild. It was like this very natural performance because I, and I keep saying this, I cannot stand how performances where they're hamming it up for the camera where they're like, oh, I'm so cute. I hate that.
0: But Carvajane mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and Sonny gave that same type of very silent and like very studied and meditative um performance so I felt Sonny should have gotten something I definitely agree with you I felt that Dave should have been up for best actor but you know this goes this leads into the politics of the lead actor and the lead actress because really that's the creme de la creme right like supporting is good but you want the lead
0: Mm -hmm. um
2: this kind of leads into why Viola Davis opted not to run for leading actress and decided to do Best Supporting Actress for Fences. If you watch Fences, that is clearly, you would have to be blind not to see that Viola's performance was a lead performance, but I have a feeling that her management took one look at who's running for Best Actress and was like, girl, just go to Best Supporting you ain't going to win there. You know but what I
0: mean? But the thing that's it. not a strong category. That's not a strong category. That's the thing. I, I don't understand how they, they, like, I literally just said that Ruth oh. Negra is the only contender out of five women mm-hmm. in that category. Any of them yeah. could have been knocked off for Viola. This is why I'm just like, really? Like, there, there's yeah. literally no reason. That the race is open, wide open over there. <laughs> like, she could have been thrown in there and then brought some of her friends over Huh? Yeah, 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 bring
2: them all over. Come on. Yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, the thing is we know that the Oscars have not always been run on a meritocracy, right? Let's keep it real. It's a popularity contest, right? So let's let's look at who's there. Okay, Ruth Negga is sort of like the newbie, right? Isabel Hufford, she you know, people are just, they like to say that they know Isabel Hopper because it makes them look like true cinephiles, okay? So there's the snob factor. Okay. Then you've got Natalie Portman, who was already a former Oscar winner from Black Swan, and she just happens to be pregnant again. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like they really pre- Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying the woman got pregnant on purpose. I'm just saying that, you know, she won her first Oscar when she's pregnant. Everybody loved it. She's a favorite. The Academy knows her. Emma Stone, this is her, what, second nomination. She had a Best Supporting for Birdland, uh, Birdman, which, no comment. Listen, this is my thing. When I'm looking at leading actress, I totally agree with you. I could have knocked out easily two or three of these chicks to give Viola a spot. Um, Emma Stone's performance in La La Land was not a leading actress, Performance. I don't care. I will fight anybody. Please at me. I will gladly speak to you about that. <laughs> that was not a leading actor's performance. Right. And I would, I would even challenge people to say that if you really think that Emma Stone did something, because people are like, oh, well, she sang and danced, I will gladly escort you to um, Beyond the Lights, which is on Netflix streaming, and please compare Emma Stone's com- performance to Google and Baza Raw. Google did the damn thing okay but they acted like it didn't happen right and Google is a, is a, is a triple talent. she can sing she can act she can dance okay if you watch La La Land I mean I guess you could say Emma Stone is a good actress I don't know about the other two like the singing was <laughs> mm, the dancing was mediocre no. I mean no. it the dancing on La La Land <laughs> amateur night at the apollo wouldn't even take that okay like that was like the movie amateur stuff right there. and they're trying to, it they're trying to spin it huh? right yeah they're trying to spin it, it. Like, when, you, when you have these yeah these la la land stands are like oh the amateurish um the the amateurism of of ryan and and emma is part of the charm of the movie Please, no. Please,
0: please. if there
2: was a black director who came out with a musical with that mediocre performance, if they could get away with saying that, they would be shut down.
0: Right. It's so problematic it's, because there are actually really great musicals, really, really yeah. amazing musicals. And if we if we really put this up against, because the way that they're talking about this this movie is that, this is part of my problem with the, with the narrative that's coming out of it, that is like, it's going to rebirth the musical, it's going to, and I'm just like, okay, wait a minute, you guys are getting a little bit ahead of yourself. It's not, it's not the savior of musicals. Musicals don't need to be I saved, good <laughs> musicals are happening every day. So, that's one thing. It's the same thing with jazz. jazz doesn't need to be saved. Jazz is already doing the damn thing, it has been for a
2: long time by black people, mind you. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, yeah, but, and a <laughs> lot of fun is like. They're talking down. The thing is, like, when you try to talk about La La Land, especially when black people try to talk about La La Land, you have these film critics who act like black people don't have a specific relationship with musicals. We know musicals, okay? Mm-hmm. We know good stuff from mm-hmm. and that was not it. Mm-hmm. But I digress. Okay, mm-hmm. so, yeah, Viola should have been in Best Actress. I was very glad for that it am I'm glad that it got that picture. Um, you know, I... The thing is I'm not sure what we're gonna get after tonight because it seems to me that when the nominations came out the media has already the media was already on some oh see there's some people of color nominated. We can retire Oscar so white. Mm-hmm. No. Number one, we haven't even seen the ceremony yet. These are just nominations. We don't know who's gonna win. As many nominations mm-hmm. as Moonlight has, Moonlight only has about eight, I think, to, to La La Land's 14 or something like that. Whereas what's mm-hmm. interesting is in the, on the critics' circle and other awards, like this, La La Land, I mean, um, uh, Moonlight has way more awards, way more awards than mm-hmm. La La Land. So it's very interesting to mm-hmm. see how it's going. And so Oscar night is going, to me, it's not even an answer because that's just one Oscar in a whole history of shutting out people of color mm-hmm. and so it seems to me that and you ladies know this they love movies that have to do with hollywood any movie that references hollywood mm-hmm. they love to give the best picture we saw it with artists we saw it with argo to an extent la la land is about hollywood I think our best case scenario. I want Moonlight to live, I, or I want Moonlight or Fences to win. I don't think it's gonna happen. I think what's gonna happen is pretty much what happened in two thousand fourteen, where they gave Twelve Years of Slave the best um, best picture, and then they gave best director to someone else. Was it was it Ang Lee? I think right. I think mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. If, if yeah. we're gonna get a split. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're gonna get a split. The baby scenario where they'll probably give best director to um, um, Barry Jenkins but give best picture to La La Land and I just really want people to really understand this is why Oscar So Light is so relevant because guess what the director of La La Land, Damien Chazelle he already has his next project lined up, he's doing a biopic on mm-hmm. Neil Armstrong with Ryan Gosling. Mm-hmm. This is even before the Austin nominations came out or whatever. He's already got, mm-hmm. why don't you go to Barry Jenkins on MDB and see what movie he has lined up next. Nada. Right? He's working on you know, uh, James. I understand he optioned up James Baldwin-Nalvin. He's adapting, um, I forget which, uh, the Underground Railroad, the, the book by Colson mm-hmm. Whitehead for television, but there's no mm-hmm. studios like, Hey, Barry, here's a franchise here, Barry, here's a movie. This is, this is how mm-hmm. the industry works. It, you know what I'm saying it's like Barry like for me I know Barry and Damien are friends I get it but me personally I feel insulted that Barry and Damien are even in competition with each other because Barry has it all over Damian, she says. She's out I don't care what anybody says She is 10 times the director direction mm-hmm. he is, but whatever he is and then you know also what people
0: fail to remember is that Harry Jenkins came out with Medicine for Melancholy years ago and hasn't yes. ever featured since, which is, like, crazy that he doesn't work as often as Damien Chazelle, who works steadily. I mean, like, I literally – I personally just started hearing his name, like, a couple of years ago, but literally, like, all, like six months on the month, he's got a new project. He's got a new – And he's got, like, major stars that he's working with. So yeah. he – you know he he he's gonna be okay. he's gonna be okay whether you know regardless of what happens and I think that um people what what people aren't really talking about in this question of Damien Chazelle's um worthiness so to speak of getting an Oscar is that I think there are people who want to acknowledge him for what he did with Whiplash which I also don't care for but um, oh, I know a lot of people really like that.
2: and they, Wait no,
0: what?
2: Huh? what yeah, no, think? I'm agreeing with you. That makes sense.
0: That oh, makes, okay. sense. <laughs> makes sense. But no, I think I think I think that there is some kind of like, oh, you know, we didn't give it to him for that, like as in that picture, but we should give it to him for this. I mean, again, I think the first couple minutes of La La Land are the strongest in it, um, and then it just is like it just happens you know, and I don't, and I don't hate La La Land. There's a, there's a, there's that rhetoric that people are thinking that people who are critical of La La Land think it's bad, and I don't think it's bad, I just don't think it's Oscar worthy. Like, if we're going to really talk about this film as yeah, in part of an Oscar conversation, that's when I start to nitpick at it. I'm like, okay, well, let's really get into the because now you guys are a little out of control now. You guys are, you guys are spitting out of control a little bit, but you know, for me, when I saw Moonlight the first time, and I saw Moonlight a couple of months before I saw La La Land,
2: and I was mm-hmm. just like,
0: oh, like, I didn't know whether, you know, the white folks in Hollywood would have cared for it. And from what I also am hearing a little bit from just um, critics um, is its relatability. I keep on hearing that often
2: relatability,
0: Uh you know, it's lack of relatability, and the fact that, you know, it's not, it's a very particular story, and I'm just like, I don't know. I've been to LA. I've never really danced in the highway before. That's not really relatable to me, you know? (laughs) That's not, I've never really, like, I've never really had the urge to, like, start dancing on the street. That's not really my thing, but I appreciate seeing other people do it, but that's, that's not, I can't really relate to it. I can't say that I've had that experience. Growing up, mm-hmm. I've had these experience of growing up, and so that's all I really needed to to connect with Moonlight and the Grass Exquisite, yeah. Um, but anyway, I went on a Yeah.
1: That's what's so funny to me. Like after the announcement came out. <clears throat> You know, we're like, oh, we got seven nominations for black people. We got two Latinos that are nominated in different categories, and we have Dev Patel. So, racism
0: is over. He was cured. <laughs> One
1: day of announcements is gonna, you know, completely reverse Oscar so white. It's like people don't understand. It. It's like a lot. Deeper than just the nominations, like the fact that Barry Jenkins, this is the first film he's made since Medicine for Melancholy, which was amazing. But the fact that that, mm-hmm. like you said, that big world in between, like that, that's a problem. Like that is a mm-hmm. real problem. Because he's an amazing filmmaker, has made you know these amazing films, and until now, like you know, half of Hollywood doesn't know his name or doesn't know who he is. So that that's mm-hmm. the problem. So it's funny to me how people. Some people on Twitter, you know, Twitter is a very strange place sometimes. Just thought it, it was all fixed. <laughs> it's all over. It's good. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, should be happy
1: now. Move on. And, again, it's 7 out of 20. It's not even 50%. It's like, come on, people. It's 7. No, no. It's yeah. 7. It, it's, it's okay. It's 7. Um, so, yeah, that was interesting. I was um watching the morning show, CBS This Morning, and they had – um some of the cast and the crew of Moonlight on there and I was so excited because I feel like this film like film critics know about Moonlight I feel like now a little bit more people are learning about it and hearing about it but I don't know if they're actually going to see it you know I think they said that so far it's made $16 million um, so I'm hoping that you know, the nominations and conversations that people are having will actually encourage people to go see it you know I don't know mm-hmm. if people will love it, you know, mm-hmm. know everyone's going to love it, but just go see it. And that's something that um, Marshala Ali said. He just wants people to see it. You know, you don't have to love it. You don't mm-hmm. have to identify with it 100%. Just go see it and give it a chance, you know.
0: So, right. I hope that it
1: is the result of all of this, hopefully. And um, also when the nominations were um, announced, Constance Wu was on Twitter, and she uh, criticized the nomination of Casey Affleck because I you know he's had some allegations of mm. sexual harassment and things like that with women. And it, you know, kind of made me think of the conversations that people were having before about Nate Parker and Birth of a Nation mm-hmm. and how, you know, that movie allegedly, you know, all the people who were in the uproar ruined that movie's chance to be successful. Again, we have Casey Affleck on the other hand who is, you know, Oscar nominated when he has these similar allegations. Um, so that was a kind of an interesting conversation because some people are, you know, very mm-hmm. upset, and people think that some people think that Constance needs to, you know, just shut up and be easy about it. Um, did you all see that conversation that was going on, or what were your thoughts about it?
2: Um. Yeah i I saw it. I mean, there's definitely we can definitely talk about the double standards that we have in Hollywood when it comes to. Um, white male celebrities who are accused of or convicted or found guilty of rape, sexual assault, or, you know, sexual harassment. Uh, I mean, look at Roman Polanski. This is a man who sexually assaulted, mm-hmm. what, a 14-year-old, um, you know, moved to Europe, has not come here, has never admi- – You know, well, he admitted what he did, but he has never paid for his crime – and then the Cesars, which are like the French equivalent of the Oscars, were trying to make him president, which was insane. You know what I mean? So there's a long history of men getting away with basically murder. And, you know, you have the film critic community, mostly men, who are like, well, you have to separate the person from the art. I can't do that. I can't separate it because artists. The thing is, where art comes from when you're a director or a writer, it never comes from a place of objectivity. It just doesn't. You know what I mean? It's it's part of who you are. Um, you know, and we're always talking like when we talk about directors, we're always talking about um, authorship, right? Like if you look at a if you look at a director, you can see that a certain specific scenes that are consistent in their movies, right? Yeah, it's it's always mm-hmm. personal. Some directors and writers, are always personal. Um, but yeah, with the Nate Parker situation, I mean, I think what hurt Nate Parker is if, if you look at the situation between Casey Affleck and Nate Parker, Casey Affleck has done no interviews whatsoever. All he did was show up mm-hmm. when he won the Golden Globes, and Brie Larson looked like she wanted to punch him in the head with the statue, and I would have <laughs> helped to raise her bail money for that. Casey <laughs> Apple has maintained military silence, military silence. Mm-hmm. The, the studio is just doing their thing. They're, you know, doing their Oscar push. He's not talking to anybody. He's keeping a low profile, not saying it's right, but I'm just saying that's how he's playing the PR game. Nate Parker, on the mm-hmm. other hand, he kind of fucked it up for himself because he would not
0: mm-hmm.
2: stop. Talking. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, dude, shut the hell up. <laughs> Let the movie speak for itself. But it was just like he did the 2020 interview. And what was especially creepy about that for me, I don't know if it was a 2020 interview or some other outlet. One of the interviews, he had one of his daughters with him. They're, like, why would you have yeah. an underage little girl talking about sexual assault? Like, that didn't even make any sense to me. How by? I was just like, okay, Nate, you're just being messy. So it. I think mm-hmm. the thing that hurt me about, um, the thing that hurt me about Birth of a Nation is that you had black women in that movie, like Gabrielle Union and Asa Naomi King, that gave their blood, sweat, and tears to this project, and because of the mm-hmm. the poisonous tree, they are not acknowledged anymore, and that hurts me because I think that those women mm-hmm. did that movie. Love and a, and a place of artistry, but because of the controversy, they got thrown out with it. You know what I mean? And I just, I mm-hmm. just have a lot of respect for Gabrielle Union because when Hidden Figures had, you know, Hidden Figures has been successful, nominated, and she has been cheering Octavia and Taraji and Janelle, and that just shows me how much of a wonderful, you know, she could have been petty and she could have been salty
0: mm-hmm. and Gabrielle
2: was just like, you know what? I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just show up for them. I'm just gonna be there. So. That was that was unfortunate. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. Um. So. So I, I'll say this. I I I can't say that I particularly followed intensely either sexual assault case, but I definitely heard a tremendous amount more information from um, the Nate Parker case.
2: And mm-hmm. I think to
0: your point, Rebecca, it's because, it, like, he was responding to every single article. I'm just like, you've given them exactly what they're looking for, dude. But, um, and he wasn't always saying the, the right thing, for sure. Uh-huh. Casey, it's almost like Casey just is like kind of, like, you know how you're, I'm, I'm 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 outing myself, but how, you know how you're on Tinder and you're swiping left or swiping right? He's like swiping <laughs> all these, like, he's not even paying attention to any of these things. And so yeah. um, it's very interesting to see how they are both reacting to, or they have both reacted to the accusations. But um, I will say, that I was not a fan of either movie. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think that I mean, what's interesting? I saw, I saw First Nation. Yes, after I heard about the case, Um, Mm -hmm. but I, I have to say, I was still able to watch it with a critical eye. I was still able to watch it without all the other stuff. So. Um, I watched it and I was just like, and I was actually really mostly, um, taken by Agent King's performance. She was the performance in that movie. Everything else just paled in comparison, honestly. Um, I was happy to see her on the cover of Vanity Fair. I was just like, oh, somebody didn't forget that she kind of ruled that movie. But, mm-hmm. um, it's, it is really, a, it's really, um unfortunate that she her performance was was part of the Nate Parker fallout you know what I mean um, and right. I would say the same thing because I had a similar conversation even when um, gosh what was that called um, for Color Girls that movie came out so mm-hmm. that movie was awful as we, as we know but there were particular performances in that movie that I thought that were particularly really good um, but because it was such a shit movie (laughs) that they just, they just all just became, you know, they just all swipe left on the whole situation. But that's what Hollywood tends to do, particularly when it comes to um, films featuring people of color, because then they're hypercritical about it. Whereas if this was a situation where it was an awful movie with a great performance or it was an awful, it was a great movie, but it was, it was helmed by like, serial killer or something like that, they'd be like, well, the movie is really good. Yes, the guy eats people for a living, but, you know, the movie is actually really good. And so they, they would, they would really, they would, they would bypass a lot of that. So there is definitely a double standard. Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, I, I found out a couple of, I found out found this out a few years ago. Um, I was, I was, a, I'm a big fan of um, the Jeepers, the Jeepers Creepers movie the first one and the second one, particularly mm-hmm. the first one. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is a really cool movie. And then, we are talking to a friend of mine, and I was like, oh, the thing that's so funny about um, Jeepers Creepers is that if you watch it, most horror movies like to objectify the women in the movie, like, you know, they're like super mm-hmm. sexy and super stupid and get killed. And if you watch Jeepers mm-hmm. Creepers, you'll notice like in the first and the second one, it is the male characters that are, Justified. They're mostly shirtless. They're mostly, they, they mm-hmm. keep the victim. And so I was thinking, ooh, this is kind of progressive. You know what I mean? Where you have a horror movie mm-hmm. franchise where it's the men. And then came to find out that, like, Victor Salva is a convicted pedophile. Like, he, like, talks oh, to I did not know that. Movie. And then once I heard about that, I was like, okay, now the movie makes sense. <laughs> yeah.
1: Now I see why the movie is the way it is. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy That is so crazy mm-hmm. okay. Well, the Academy Awards Again take place on February 26th I believe um, oh, well, Before we switch to the next thing I um, just want to shout out I know we talked about Meryl earlier And her nomination for this film Although it is history making This is her 20th nomination, I believe So I think that's oh
0: I, mean, I think she had the record
1: before that was 19 But now she has the record with 20 um, this also marks the mm-hmm. first time that three African-American women were nominated in the same category, which is the Best Supporting Actress. We talked about Viola, um, but Octavia mm-hmm. Spencer is also nominated, and mm-hmm. Naomi Harris is nominated for Moonlight, <clears throat> so that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Um, I just also want to shout out the Best Documentary category. Um yes. DuVernay is nominated for the 13th OJ Made in America is nominated And I Am At Your Negro is nominated Also Fire and mm-hmm. D And Life Animated That's a very awesome Hardcore legit category Right there like those are all pre- I've heard great things about I've seen a couple of them but I've heard great things about all of those Documentaries so I'm mm-hmm. kind of interested In seeing how
0: that one turns out as well That'd be pretty cool. I am Two. I am too, particularly I'm glad you mentioned documentary because I I think that this is an extremely strong year with documentary. This is the second year in a row I, I've said this. Um I am not your Negro, I think is exquisite. Um I I don't have anything negative to say about it. OJ Man in America I think is so, so good. You know, there's a I don't know if you guys have been have you you been engaging in this conversation regarding OJ Made in America? Because it's kind of a miniseries, but kind of a movie. Um, And so I know a lot of people are really not thrilled with the fact that it made it all the way to Oscars when it's not really a theatrical film. I mean, it was released in theaters, but I think it was almost released in theaters in order to qualify for right. um, so it was, just, so I, it was very it was very deliberate, um, but I don't know if, if you guys have any thoughts on that, but that, there's been a lot of suspicion about that on my timeline. Um, I mean, I'm just happy that it's being recognized somewhere. Um, I'm sure it'll also get into the Emmys, Amaz- and they'll probably fit it into the Emmys Amaz- on in the TV side, too, like they'll just get in where they can fit in, um, but happy to see it. 13th is also really good. I didn't see Fire at Steel or yeah. Yeah. I, I think
2: what's
1: cool is um I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, so that was was confused because I thought it was more of a mini series, you know, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But you know, people wheel and deal and cut corners and change things up mm-hmm. to get nominations and it's it's all it's nothing new. <laughs> so it's like whatever. It's a it's mm-hmm. a good film Either way. Mm-hmm.
0: Mhm.
2: What were you gonna say, Rebecca?
0: Please.
2: Oh no, I was just gonna say that um, I thought it was so cool that the best documentary um, category for the Oscars are like overwhelming majority are people of color. I've never seen mm-hmm. that before. I think like four, four or five, and I found and I didn't know this that the, um, the director of OJ Made in America, Ezra Edelman, is Marion Wright Edelman's Edelman. Mm-hmm. Star. I, I had no idea. Yes. He's hot by the way.
0: Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my god. Yes, <laughs> so Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's real. I was I I I um I became very obsessed with OJ America as I was watching the 100 Hour movie, <laughs> so I started just googling random stuff, and that's how I found about Ezra, Elvin, and right But um, and I also wanted to say because you brought it up, um, Kim, the animated um category because I heart Utopia is so hard, like I seen it for that movie so hard, um, so I' am just happy to see that here.
1: Cool, I haven't seen that yet, but it's it's on my list of films to watch um, well, we oh like, uh, really okay I'll, I'm, I'm gonna watch it so. um we have about two mm-hmm. minutes left, and I know tonight the sag awards um air I think at eight o'clock on PBS one of those both of those. Um, Is there anyone in particular that you Mm -hmm. are uh, rooting for tonight? Mahershala. Mahershala, definitely. Yeah, me, I think I'm rooting for on the TV side Um, Sterling K. for uh, This Is Us.
0: Yeah. Amazing.
1: And I want Blackish to win for Best Ensemble because Blackish has been so on point this season. It's actually amazing. I dare say it's the best show on TV. So definitely rooting for, mm. for those. All right. Well, if you don't have anything else, we are done for tonight. Um, is everyone watching the same awards? Will you be live-tweeting?
2: Yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to live-tweet. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Everyone have a great week, and thanks for joining us.
0: Have Bye. To you. Thank you.